Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of School Safety Today, brought to you by Raptor Technologies. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Today, we're doing a little refresher on ESSER, and we're talking about new opportunities in school funding, helping you maximize ESSER funds for your particular school. And so joining me here today, I'm thrilled to welcome Dr. Paula Love, the founder of RFP Match. Dr. Paula Love is known as the funding doctor. Uh, she is a highly, highly sought-after speaker, writer, and publisher in education funding. Dr. Dr. Love, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast today. Tyler, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to folks today um, about some updates and about some new opportunities as well. There are a lot of opportunities and some fantastic information that we are able to share here today. So, Dr. Love, let's start off here. Just as a way of refreshing people, in 2020, Congress provided federal COVID relief aid for schools. There have been additional funding packages since that initial one. Can you catch us up on the status of these funds? Absolutely. And let's begin. I think that it's so important, Tyler, for our listeners, right, um, that are out there in schools and school districts to really understand some of the acronyms and some of the names behind these funds, because it gets a little confusing. And often we, um, we, we call it something because we've known that from the beginning. So let's begin by taking kind of a walk backwards, like you said, beginning with March 2020, with the funding or the act known as the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act. And the acronym for that that we all probably remember is CARES. And then right on the heels of that act in December, 2020, same year, but at the end of the year, we had the Coronavirus Response and Relief Supplemental Appropriations Act. And that acronym is CRRSA. So some of our folks might be seeing money under that particular act. Then the big one came right after that, or about a year later in March, 2021, and that was the American Rescue Plan. And we know that as ARP. And each of those acts brought money to education and to our schools. And some of these education dollars came in the form of things like elementary and secondary emergency relief fund, the governor's emergency relief fund, higher education emergency relief fund. And then there were some different allocations and they came in the the form of um, our special needs students under Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, which is referred to as IDEA, and under our homeless populations. But what it all amounts to, Tyler, is these are the biggest opportunities in the history of our nation. Probably the one, the funding source that most of our listeners might know well and, and is one of the largest ones for us in education is the elementary, secondary, and school emergency relief fund. We know that, know that as ESSER. And for the sake of our discussion today, I'm going to be focusing mainly on just that fund because that represents the biggest pot of money. So let's look at that one before we move on and just look at the money that is there under ESSER. So ESSER 1, under the CARES Act, 
we got $13.2 billion. And this was one of the smaller amounts, although I honestly was thought it was a lot of money at the time, but it's one of the smaller amounts. And it's the one right now that's probably getting the closest to close out. Hmm. But then under the CRRSA money, we got $54.3 billion. Now that's almost four times what we got in ESSER 1. And presently, this is where we're seeing a lot of the num- money starting to be spent in that ESSER 2 bucket. And then when we looked at ARP ESSER, or what some of the viewers or listeners might know as ESSER 3, we got, wow, $123 billion. The biggest one, as I mentioned before, of all, almost two times the amount that we had in ESSER 2, a lot a lot of money, a, a total of, for those three rounds of over $190 billion just in the ESSER funds alone. Wow. that That is an incredible amount of money. So when we talk about the, those funds, um, are there any upcoming deadlines or anything that, that people need to be aware of when it comes to Um, when it comes to these funds? Absolutely. And that's a very, very good question because those deadlines are, some of them are pending right now or coming up. Mm. I call them a runway kind of of funds because all three of them are currently available, but all of them have some different timelines around them. And I think when we talk about those timelines, we need to be mindful of the deadline of the funding That's when the funds need to be obligated and the spend down timeline for those funds. Now, there's a difference. When I talk about obligation, I mean things like having a purchase order, a contract or an agreement that you are going to indeed obligate those funds. But when we talk about spending or liquidation, We're Mm -hmm. liquidating those funds. So we need to make sure that we're clear in understanding between those timelines, between the obligation dates and the spend down dates. So let's go back over those funds and let's just review that information. So when we talk about ESSER 1, which is the one right now that is coming up for an obligation date of 9-30-2022. So we're on the heels of that one right now. But the spend down date or the liquidation date for that fund is the end of January 2023. Now, when I talk about ESSER 2, when I'm looking at that one, the obligation date is September 30th, 2023. And the spend down date is the end of September 2024. And when I'm talking about the last one, ARP, ESSER or ESSER 3, the timeline for obligation is September 30th, 2024. All three of those funds are available right now, and school districts do not have to spend one before they get the other. I think that's important to understand. We've got all Mm -hmm. three of them available. Um, But that runway with all of that money, we're starting to see it come a little closer So we're starting to have to make very informed decisions at this point for spending those dollars. 
yeah, I think that's that's very well put. And uh, just a, a good message for, for people to understand what some of those dates and deadlines are. And so can you walk us through a couple of scenarios for what schools can use these funds for? Right. That's a really good thing. So let's go back to kind of thinking when these funds first came out and the emphasis that was around these funds and everything, because there was a little bit of shift that is happening in the emphasis around the funds. So when we had ESSER 1, for example, there was an emphasis around addressing learning loss social emotional learning or what we know is SEL and mental health. So they kind of put them together, although they are not the same, but we kind of lump them together. And then the whole idea of opening or keeping our schools open. You can imagine at this point, because many of our buildings are already open, that there's been this shift that's starting to happen in looking at those funds. So our emphasis right now shifted a little bit. So we're still concerned about learning loss. That's still a major, major initiative. SEL and mental health is still in a major initiative. But when you look at what's happening, we're more into plugging those holes and implementing. So where we are right now is really looking, instead of just keeping schools open, it's really how do we transform and innovate in using these funds going forward? And I think that's an important shift that's happened in the way that we're utilizing these funds. Now, there are some uses, some allowable uses for these funds, and it's very important that as school districts and they think about how they're going to spend these dollars, understand the allowable uses. There's actually 20, Tyler, um, but they're broad and they're flexible and they allow for many school districts to be transformational and innovation, kind of innovate in utilizing those funds. So considering that there is still funding available, like you mentioned, what are some of the obstacles that have prevented schools from applying or for or receiving ESSER funds uh, in the past? What, what are some of those obstacles? Um, you know, I hear from superintendents and school districts and folks all the time. One of the things I think that happens is we've got all of this money coming in. Plus, we have our regular money that we've been dealing with for all these years. And I've been in this business now 50 years. So I've been used to having all of this other money. Now we've got this new bucket, these new buckets with different timelines. So they're different from our regular Title I, Title II, Title III funding. They're extended out more. We've got all of this. And there's confusion. Sometimes even around, remember I just said about those 20 allowable uses, there's sometimes a lot of confusion around how do I make sure that this is an allowable use? I think another area that is kind of is a concern right now or, or something that might be um, looking at from a state and a school district perspective is that when um, an act came down called ESSA, Every Student Succeeds Act, we began to see a shift from funding being driven at the federal level to funding and decision-making having more control at the state level. So in the middle, here comes um, the pandemic, 
And here comes all these relief funds. And now we have governors looking at what are my priorities for my state? How I might be have a priority in mental health. I might have some priorities in school safety. So not only do we have school districts thinking about being good stewards and how to utilize these funds, we've also got external decision makers coming in that impact our spending. Another area that we've seen is um, kind of the procurement laws and the laws around the spending of these. Um, I, I, I listened to um, a school district in Michigan and they were having, because there's some thresholds, especially under the ARP funding of 20% for learning loss, they're trying to get through a lot of the, their state and local procurement issues on how do I use these funds and use it within the timeline that we just said and everything. There's a, there was a wonderful article in Chalkbeat. It's a, a journal that's put out it in March, just this past March. And it said that we're, schools are loaded with cash, but they're slow to spend. And that article also talked about things like supply chains. So if we think of things like HVAC, and other things that might be that impact because of the supply chain. And then a big area has to do with teacher shortage and staffing issues as well. So that kind of, it kind of helps us understand where schools and school districts are in terms of not being so forward thinking in terms of moving out and spending these funds right away. Uh, and I forgot one other one, Tyler, and I have to mention this one because this one's so important. I think the other thing that happens is we're so, we've got so much money right now and school districts have almost, you know, a, a paralyzation because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. So we need to be mindful. We need to think carefully. We need to invest wisely in the use of these funds, not knowing what the future is going to hold for our schools and school districts. Now, some good news on that is there's been a little bump up with some appropriations for Title I and IDEA, but still with all of this money that we've never seen before, and then we don't wanna get into the fiscal cliff that we sometimes saw back at 2008 and 2009 with schools and school districts. I was wondering, Dr. Love, if you could tell us a little bit more about how RFP Match can also help and play a role in this. Like I said, Tyler, I've been around for a long time, 50 years. I've worked at school district levels. I've worked at a state level. I did a lot of work at the federal level with working with funding. My whole career has been around funding. So I, just like my name, I have a passion for really um, enjoying working with folks around this funding. So my company really looks at two aspects of funding. One, we work with groups like our sponsor today, and we help them understand so that they in turn can work with their schools and school districts and get the right information. So if you're confused about timelines in your state, if you're confused about some of that, we work with those sponsors or those companies to be able to help them and navigate and help you navigate this space. But in addition, we also have a tool that's been around for a long time, and I was fortunate to bring it into my company. It's called Grants Alert. 
So when I was talking about the fiscal cliff and folks having um, a need to sustain efforts after this funding leaves, Grants Alert is a wonderful tool whereby we monitor federal, state, private sector funding, foundation and corporate funding, and we provide that information directly to schools and school districts to help them also know about future opportunities that may be out there, as well as some other resources that we provide. So for schools that have already received ESSER funding or are looking for other funding opportunities, I hear that there might be some updates that you could share with us here today. There are, and this is very, very important. First of all, what I would like to do is I'd like to take you through a couple pieces of funding right now that's currently out there that I think schools and school districts really need to understand because often what we do when we look at funding, we look at it only from the lens of the Department of Education. And I want you to open your eyes to other kinds of funding opportunities that exist beyond the Department of Education. So, for example, if we're looking at information around mental health, um, things that we might want to do for emergency management for our students, things where, where we might want to have volunteers, there's a piece of funding out there currently that's available. It's a competitive grant, which means people have to compete for. It's called Project AWARE. It stands for Advancing Wellness and Resiliency in Education. And it comes from health and human services, a different source of money that sometimes we don't think about when we look at those funds. That grant is due on May 2nd of this year. But let me tell you, there's up to $1,800,000 per applicant to apply for that funding. Another piece that we we have and that sometimes we don't look at, especially when we're talking about school safety and we're talking about mental health, is Department of Justice money. So currently there's some money out there for justice and mental health, and it's a collaboration where we're bringing different groups together to collaborate, law enforcement, educators, mental health providers, and things in that regard. That grant is coming up too. It's on May 27th. And it's up to $15 million opportunity. And then finally, there's one other one. And this is just a snapshot of the many, many that are out there. I could go on forever. As you know, I love this stuff. So another <laughs> one is the Law Enforcement, Mental Health, and Wellness Implementation Projects out there. This, again, comes from the Department of Justice, but it comes from a different division. It comes from COPS the community-oriented um, policing services. Great opportunity. Deadline is quickly approaching, though. It's April 27th, but the funding is up to 7500000 So you can see there's a lot of opportunity currently. So let's talk about, remember I mentioned about some new appropriations that happened yes. and some new money that's coming down. And I think that's important for folks, because as you're thinking about using these funds, you need to think about how we sustain, how we blend, how we braid the funds that we currently have and we know that might be in the future. So Congress passed um, the continuing resolution at in, Mar in, in March of this year, 
and it provided $76.4 billion additional monies for education. And this is a large, large increase that we finally passed. And some of the programs that there, that are out there that are going to get what I call a bump up in money include $1 billion more for Title I mm. and more money in terms of Pell Grants for higher education. That's been some of the largest increases in the decade. This, this, um, bill is actually called Funding for the People. And along with the Title I kind of bump up, there is some more money in special education, not as much as we hoped for, but at least we know we got a little bit of increase in special education. It was like 450 billion, a million, excuse me. And another piece for what is called full service community schools. That's a program that's been out for a while, a great initiative. It got some more money. But what was interesting, there was a five fold increase for student mental health supports. And wow. I that is very important. You can see where mental health is, is at in terms of the importance to keep our students safe and to keep them secure right now. So that mm. that's a very, very important part of the funding that's out there. That's really, really excellent. And I think a fantastic breakdown. So thank you for, for sharing that with us. And, and since this is the School Safety Today podcast, let me wrap up today by asking you, you know, just for one or two steps that you'd like to recommend to school leaders to ensure school safety and security for their school communities. That's so important. It goes back to some of the funding that I talked about before, because I would tell you step one is take action by forming collaborations involving your law enforcement, involving mental health professionals, involving education solution providers that have access and understand good products and services around these because they all bring an expertise in terms of school safety. Um, you know, all of this um, that's happened to us has really taken a toll, as we mentioned earlier with the five-fold increase that we've had on the mental health of our students. So all across this country, we have to begin mobilizing. If you look at a lot of the money that's out there, they ask for stakeholder input. In fact, in every single state, when the ARP-ESSER came down, every single state had to file a state plan. And when they did that, they had to bring stakeholders together. Those, those plans are are just chock full of wonderful strategies for implementing and things like that. But they also speak to the collaboration. There was a quote, and I want to I want to say this because it came from a uh, past president of the um, Superintendents Association, known as AASA, and it and she said, "School safety and security is a shared responsibility, and we need to work collaboratively." with law enforcement, behavioral health um, professionals, and policymakers so we can fully engage and better understand best practices and impact student outcomes. So that's number one. But number two, I would want to remind our listeners right now, your school buildings are natural places to support school safety 
and mental health. And as leaders and as, as folks in that school, we need to make sure that we're opening doors to ensure that our students are, are safe and secure, as well as working with the community again, which goes back to step one in terms of the collaboration. But we need, as we're doing that, we need to think back to what I said about innovative practices and transforming really where we are in education at this point. Dr. Paula Loves, there's some fantastic stuff here today uh, that you've been uh, you've been able to share with us here on the podcast. Do you have any any final things you want to share with the audience? Anything that you want them to know, either about school funding, school safety, any of the things we've talked about today? The floor is yours just to, to wrap us up with anything else that you want to share. Thank you, Tyler. Because what I would like to say, we've all been through a difficult, disruptive time during these last couple of years. And One of the things that I keep hearing from education leaders out there is, and they say it loud and clear, we can't go back to normal. Mm. And I look at this funding as a chance to really move forward. I always see funding from a great opportunity that it is out there for us to do the innovative and the transformational things that maybe we've always wanted to do, but we can't go back to normal. Mm -hmm. So I challenge everyone out there to take this opportunity as a positive move, to think about the school safety of our students, to work with, you know, that collaboratively and make sure that we really are good stewards of this money, but we're using them to transform and innovate for schools going forward. Excellent, excellent stuff. Dr. Paula Love, founder of RFP Match and uh, known as the funding doctor for schools. Dr. Paula Love, thank you so much for joining us here on the School Safety Podcast and sharing your expertise and your insights with us. It's been a pleasure getting a chance to, to speak with you today. Thank you very much, Tyler. I enjoyed talking with everybody. And I just want to send a message. Please utilize these funds. Get out there. If you have questions, your sponsor today, as well as RFP Match, are always here to support you. That's a great point. Reach out if you have questions, if you have uh, concerns, if you need to know more, feel free to reach out uh, to RFP Match and, and to Paula if you if you do need to need to ask questions about these funds and need to know more. So please feel free to do that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Love, is there a place, is there a website that you'd recommend people uh, going or a way of people getting in contact with you? Absolutely. It's, it's very easy. It's RFP and RFP stands for Request for Proposal rfpmatch.com. Make sure you do RFP match because otherwise you'll go to match.com and not (laughs) rfpmatch.com. So make sure we look at rfpmatch.com and um, you can also email me at info at rfpmatch.com as well. Very good stuff. Info at rfpmatch or rfpmatch.com. Like Dr. Love said, make sure to get that RFP in there. Uh, Otherwise, you'll go to a dating website, which may or may not be what you're looking for. So make sure to go to rfpmatch.com. Dr. Paula Love, thank you again so much for joining us here today. Thank you, Tyler. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning into another episode of the School Safety Podcast brought to you by Raptor Technologies. We appreciate it very much. Of course, for more 
of episodes of the podcast, make sure to head to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also subscribe while you're there to stay up to date with the latest episodes and insights from the experts that join us here on the podcast uh, on a regular basis. And stay tuned. We'll be back soon with new episodes of the show. But for this one, for my excellent guest today, Dr. Paula Love, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for joining us.